Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. Here I'm joined by an interesting soul for snacks and sometimes full-blown banquets. We share conversation and confessions, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hey, Dreamweavers. We've got us a beauty this time, you lucky sods. I'm hoovering for the first time ever with a guest I've hoovered with once before a long time ago because we didn't have time to get it all talked out. And she's got a new, frankly, fucking brilliant book out. It's Christy Harrison. If you don't know her, she's a journalist, dietitian and counsellor. And her podcast, Food Psych, and her first book, Anti-Diet, were a huge part of my enlightenment when it came to the early days of my journey to freedom from a life of dieting and disordered eating. She's extremely extraordinary. And I can't think of anyone more brilliant to have as my first ever return one-to-one guest. The conversation is an utter joy. Um, and it's a long one. Apologies that it's a particularly long episode, but I just didn't want to lose a word of this. I think it's oh, like a fairy dust gold liquid. It's good stuff. You'll hear why it was uncuttable from Before we get into it, please may I say thanks for listening and a huge extra thanks if you're also my patron. This podcast doesn't quite cover its costs because I'm fussy as absolute fuck about what I'll advertise on here. So if it weren't for those of you who give even £2 a month, we wouldn't be able to keep growing and improving and making these conversations. Because of that, I have really levelled up how much love I show my patrons and now they get more than guest recipes and credits. There are tons of exclusive bits and bobs for them. Content, discounts to live shows, 
even more for some lovely people, there are early and ad-free hoovering episodes. There are hoovering episodes just for them. There are little videos from me. There are birthday messages. If you've got any spare wedge and you're into this podcast, please may you head to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod and see if you can't come and join the dream team. Danke. I'd love to invite you to the next Hoovering Live. It's on the 10th of August at the Camden Roundhouse Comedy Festival at seven o'clock for an hour or so, so we can laugh and eat and be merry and still have early nights. I'm announcing some seriously starry guests for that one soon as well. I'd also love to make sure you've listened to my comedy series, Sturdy Girls Club, over on BBC Sounds. The whole thing comes in at under an hour, so you have got time, you know. Free comedy. Yum, yum, yum. If it isn't sold out and you're on the West Country way, why not come and see my work in progress hour at the Wells Comedy Festival on the 28th of May? I'd love that. I'm also trying new stuff pretty regularly at Camden Comedy Club in North London. Do come. Right, let's have this episode. God, it gets good and deep fast. And there are some funny bits in there too, especially towards the end. And delicious bits, guys. This is the sort of episode my dreams are sort of made of, if I'm honest. Christy and I hoovered online from our own homes as she's on the other side of the pond. <laughs> Christy, hi. Thank you so much for coming back on the Hoovering podcast. Hi, Jess. Thank you so much for having me back. Um, and congratulations on your new book, The Wellness Trap. I'm obsessed with it. Oh, um, thank you. It's so good. And I think, I can't tell you how much, like, it feels timely. Like, I needed to read, I needed to read it right now. Mm. It's like bathing in the light of the kindest possible, most reassuring <laughs> version of reality. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I, I know you get it because, you know. The... I really get it. And I needed to hear it right now. I think I'm turning 40 this summer mm. and I feel like that has dialed up. Yes. Either the noise or how I receive the noise. Yes. I know. I know because, well. oh, I got, I mean, as you go into so brilliantly in the book, like wherever you're at in your journey with your body or eating, your sense of self-worth, there mm -hmm. is stuff will come your way in the world as it is at present that will draw you back. Yes. <laughs> it will draw you back into thinking you need to reinvent yourself or spend money on stuff that, I mean, you just don't. And, um, well, I'm loving it. And I have to say, I, I'm a very slow reader. So I'm like just over a third of the way through the book. And this is awful to say, but like, I'm kind of relieved that I'm talking to you now, because <laughs> if I'd got through the whole book before we spoke, I'd have had to have like asked you to do this over f maybe 10 episodes. <laughs> I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know mm. how we're going to get through what I, all the things I want to get into with you, even just based on the first <laughs> third of the book. Um, Oh, where to begin? I mean, first of all, how are you? I'm I'm good. I had a baby since we last spoke, actually. So oh, it's been wow. like this whole journey. Yeah, she's oh. now over a year old. And, oh, um, congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I wrote the manuscript while I was pregnant and then wow. went on maternity leave and then came back and revised it. And it was, it's just been a whole thing, you know. That's a lot. That's a, a big lot. year. My big word. year. I mean, this book is, I mean, we're talking about it on this podcast about eating I mean, because you can't really disconnect the wellness industry movement, whatever it is. It's definitely an industry, isn't it? Mm -hmm. With the diet industry. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I mean, I've had a feeling for a while that the wellness industry is just the diet industry, like rebranded. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel a bit like that. Like, um, oh, I don't know. Like, uh, uh, maybe a good place. So, uh, I mean, this book is... I mean, we're talking about it on this podcast about eating. I mean, because you can't really disconnect 
the wellness industry movement, whatever it is. It's definitely an industry, isn't it? With the diet industry. Um, and um, I mean, I've had a feeling for a while that the wellness industry is just the diet industry, like rebranded. <laughs> it does feel a bit like that. There's also lots of like, um, like micro examples, like the, the recent rise of the term biohacking, mm-hmm. which feels like it's like man speak for diet. Yes. Like, it, right? Like Very it feels much. like Coke Zero. It's like you've found a way of marketing a diet drink to really manly men. Totally. Like, and, and, and what's so bleak is it's working. Like I learned so much from your book, but that disordered eating in kind of, you know, cis straight men is really on the rise. Like it's bleak. Yeah, it's really bleak. It's, it's, you know, I mean, there are certainly little signs of progress in some ways, but I think, yeah, the, the rise of biohacking and sort of you know, framing certain quote unquote wellness interventions in ways that'll appeal to men, I think is a great way for this industry that is, you know, in some ways threatened. I mean, especially the diet aspect of it, right? The diet industry, I think, is has been sort of under threat by the anti-diet movement, by, yeah. you know, people sort of realizing diets don't work and um, wanting something different and like body positivity and you know, I think all those things the diet industry is trying to co-opt, but yeah, I think creating new markets for itself is one way for it to stay relevant and to stay, you know, to keep its profits. It's clever, so, isn't it? Because I think people might go, well, no, that's a different thing. There's nuance. But you're like, well, no, it's the same thing. It, it still doesn't work. You know, mm-hmm. you, can, you talk about the guy who supposedly invented putting a load of butter in his coffee in the morning <laughs> and that being a biohack. And you're like, yeah, it's not like this whatever that did for that one guy, like it's, it's exactly the same as going, well, you'll feel loads better if you just eat cabbage juice for Mm -hmm. a week. Like they're all quite intense, restrictive, obsessive control requiring diets. Like it's it's same, same. Um, Mm -hmm. And like no good evidence behind them too. I mean, I think the biohackers really pride themselves on like an N of one, you know, meaning like experimenting on one person themselves. And it's like, you guys, N of one is not science. Like that's not, (laughs) that's, you can't really extrapolate anything from that, you know, and using like early stage science, if there is any to try to justify what they're doing, but also saying like, we don't need science. We can experiment on ourselves. And I just think that's, like such a recipe for disaster and and specifically a recipe for disordered eating too to like yeah. make up your own food rules and like follow these really strict intense diets and you know take like fistfuls of supplements like yeah you know it's it's just it's not safe yeah i think the i think the rebranding is something to like i don't know that i am recently becoming a bit more eyes wide open to like and i'd fully i fall for shit all the time like I got obsessed with gut health Mm. and thinking well that's nothing to do with the diet industry it's this beautiful garden inside me and blah 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 and you're like oh and then you know and I I interviewed people you know running huge companies to do with it you know because I'm fascinated by you know I find Mm -hmm. it's really interesting could we learn all this interesting stuff and they're like oh so far you have studied to the people who can afford I mean, I don't know what it is in dollars, but basically 800 pounds to have their poop tested, mm-hmm. to be told stuff that won't necessarily. And, and, and I think, you know, ultimately there's, I think you, uh, I'm not, not interested in the science and I want to stay neutral enough to be 
fascinated by that science, but like mm-hmm. you're collecting that data from very rich, small pool of people. Yes. That's not a broad pool of people. And also so much of what you're saying you can do for people is code for oh, lose weight. Exactly. It's all code for lose weight. Yeah. And so much of it is code. And now it's, I think, quite specifically um you can you can even you can even lose weight after your menopause which mm-hmm. feels like the target audience for that stuff at the moment it's like totally. oh this is so insidious because you've just changed all the language around it but your the the your end game is the same and another one i've noticed coming up recently i don't know if you would agree but like an american company actually that they want everyone to start wearing um glucose monitoring which yeah. I, is science that's so extraordinary for people with diabetes certain types of diabetes yeah. because they can you know their blood sugars can be tracked all the time and it, and they and then a machine attached to them can dose them with exactly like the right amount yeah insulin, exactly yeah. the right amount of insulin and it's game changing for people with some you know ext- diseases like that totally but they the, what, what's frightening me is that the language around it the press around it is they're calling it um blood sugar crisis or the or the or the glucose crisis and it's a rebranding of the word obesity like Mm -hmm. you're using different language to say exactly the same thing and not only my fear is that if it if the next thing to go with your smartwatch that measures your everything it supposedly tells you the energy you're burning the energy you're consuming is to also have your blood sugar being monitored all the time it's connected to an app that says "Uh uh-oh are you sure you want to eat that Mm -hmm. like that's not a healthy relationship. Everything's no. just moving us further and further and further away from a connection to our bodies, to our hunger, to our fullness, and to actually what we really want. That's need. right. That's totally That's totally it. I'm actually working on a piece right now about gut health and continuous glucose monitoring as trends right. that we're seeing and, you know, emerging <sighs> in wellness culture and, and how this is leading people down a path of disordered eating and disconnecting them from their bodies. And it's, it's totally that, you know, I mean, with like glucose monitors, yes, they're, they're game changers for people with diabetes. And, you know, I've talked to people with diabetes who say, I would never wish this on anyone to have to wear this and monitor your glucose in this way, because it, it fucks you up in your relationship with food. You know, people with, like, I read a statistic the other day that women with type one diabetes, I think it's like younger women with type one diabetes, 30 to 40% of them have a clinically diagnosable eating disorder. 30 to 40%, you know, like more than a third of people with, of you know, with type 1 diabetes. And it's it's thought that that's because they have to be so, um, like, intense about monitoring their carb intake and, you know, just monitoring glucose and making sure they're eating the right things and all of that, that it stresses people out uh, and it makes I them was, obsessed with I food. Was- like if I had to track like that, then I'd be right back down that hole. Yeah, you know, unless you could afford like daily fucking therapy or something. Right. I don't know how anyone like. It's extraordinary that I mean those numbers make complete sense to me. Yeah, and I think as well. I mean, I don't know. As literally in the last few days, I've become aware we're an- another growing trend here of not just that blood sugar monitoring, but also people taking insulin. Oh God, to lose weight. Oh God, people that don't have diabetes. Wow. And there's a drug here for people with diabetes that we're running out of in the UK. Oh, you're talking about Ozempic, right? The, yeah. Yep. Yep. That's, because, yeah, that's a huge trend are, here too. And I don't think you can get it prescribed here yet, mm-hmm. but you can, you can buy it privately yep. from like a Mayfair clinic. 
Yeah. You know, I just have you seen the reporting from the observer and the guardian about uh, the influence that like the influence campaign from Novo Nordisk to try to get those drugs approved in the UK? Oh, it's it's bad. And it's it's happening here, too. It's just I think American journalists are not as on top of it. I know one who right. maybe is who's, who's working on a piece about this. But um, the Observer did like a huge investigative story about it, showing right. that, like, you know, these people improperly like, didn't declare their connection with Novo Nordisk to the tune of, you know, 50,000 pounds or something oh like, being God. paid like huge sums of money um, to like research or consult for the company and then going on to be part of the panel that recommends to the NHS. Oh, yeah, we should adopt this drug, <gasps> not telling them that they're, oh, you know, about God. this influence. In the pocket of the company. In the pocket of the company. And it's no. happening at the level of, I can't remember what the organizations are called, but there's a couple different organizations in the UK that also like determine what drugs are adopted. And those organizations were given large sums of money by Novo Nordisk. Like it's like (sighs) the tentacles. Oh, and there's like, like GP clinics around the country, like that are taking money from Novo Nordisk and developing these weight management programs that, you know, heavily feature that medication it's terrible. I'll send you the link when we're done. Maybe yeah, we can please do, and I'll put it in the notes with the podcast. Yeah. Um, oh God, this is. It, oh, I don't. Oh, where to get into? I don't think I'm. I'll, I'll try and make time to make sure I ask you some fun <laughs> questions at some point. But um, I. It's also bleak. I am. It's, I'm sorry. Is but but also eyes wide open, right? And the more yep, we can talk about totally. this and expose this stuff, then the better. Because actually, you know. You can bin it off. You can fuck it off. You don't have to partake in this stuff. You'll mm-hmm. get lured back in, probably, yep. <laughs> if, you're, if you're in touch with the world over and over again. I bloody do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's so many things. There's a bit, I'm going to actually, I'm like an actual nerd. I want to actually read a bit of your book out at you because <laughs> one that I was like, I can't paraphrase this. You've put it, you've put it too beautifully. Oh, thank um, you. And I, and I think because I, I mean, I, I, everybody has a right to eat exactly how they want um um but we are i think it's um it's quite early in your book talking about late late stage capitalism and this move towards i mean this move towards anything to buy time like anything to buy time so meal replacement drinks here i'm sure it's the same there but like there they've been They've been available in the world under a different, it comes back to the rebranding thing. They've been available in the world under a different name for like a long time, decades here, slim, fast drinks like that. Now they're called Huel, et cetera. And they'll be like, no, we're not trying to give you a deficit. We're trying to give you a rounded this, that, the other. And it's like, where, and, and then, and I'll talk to people who'd be like, do you know what? I have one of those. It saves me thinking about lunch. It saves me doing this. And I think I can't, you know, I, it, it's going to get me, I'm running up that hill. Like it's utterly pointless to meet that with judgment. I didn't know why I felt so uncomfortable about it because it's like, well, you do you. Like it is, you know, why am I feeling so uncomfortable about this? Like the rise of this. Um, And I think you've sort of nailed it. It's this idea that, well, can I, I'm just going to read out what you put. Late stage capitalism and the companies that fuel it are eroding our humanity, our ability to bond and connect over food, to take pleasure in eating, to get out of our heads and into our bodies. They're taking away a truly special ritual shared by human societies the world over. They're turning us into machines and calling it wellness. I was like, oh, mm. oh God. Oh my God. I mean, 
you've nailed it. I mean, that's it. It's actually, even in its most basic bare bones, you're going, okay, well then you, your fact that you're like, oh, well, I didn't have my, I didn't have time for lunch. I've made it a quick one today. You're like, yeah, because you spent more time working. Right. Right. (laughs) You couldn't even take half an hour to just sit with yourself Mm -hmm. or a friend or a colleague and think about what you were tasting and how it was making your body feel and like take joy, like take joy, take peace, take a minute. Oh, I think if you take a step back and acknowledge that, like do it as well. You know, I'd be like, oh, thank God I've got some leftovers I can nuke in two seconds and throw in my face. Like, you know, I've got shit to do. We're all so, so busy. So busy. I mean, like I think about, you know, I wrote this book and I, I thought about those things deeply and like that part really affected me too. And I was like, I need to make space for lunch in the workday. Like I can't participate in this. And then of course, you know, things change and life gets in the way. And now I'm like Mm -hmm. doing all these interviews for the book. And I, I literally have no time for lunch either. You know, I'm also nuking leftovers in the microwave and taking them back to my (laughs) desk to work. Like it's, you know, it's not, I, none of us are immune to it. I think that's why this is like a systemic problem. You know, this is not just, on us as individuals to solve. I think this is something that our society pushes on us. And it's it's no wonder that, you know, in this phase of the pandemic and late stage capitalism and all of that, that, uh, you know, wellness culture has become such a huge presence in people's lives and is, you know, holding out this promise of like, yeah, you don't have time for lunch here, drink this and you'll be well, right? Drink this and yeah. it'll give you all the vitamins you need rather than, you know, making a frozen meal or, you know, eating a sandwich or whatever you're supposed, whatever is supposedly less, you know, wellness inducing or whatever. Hard agree, hard agree. And um, it's so much easier said than done. Like we're all trying to pack it all in. We are, we are. Um, and yeah, we're also vulnerable to all this, you know, I think it's... Well, totally. And I think as well, I, th- I think I felt guilty uh, in the past of, um, you know, one thinking I'm above this stuff, like mm-hmm. I'm not someone who ever falls for this thing, but I was reading your book and I was like, oh, I mean, I absolutely, I have, I mean, it's all ironically, you know, it's when you're at your most vulnerable. I was really stressed in the build up to a, a big comedy festival last summer, but mm-hmm. I knew I was stressed for months in the sense that like, I got to the point where I had like hair falling out and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was wildly like n- nervous for months and months and it just starts chipping away at your body. Mm-hmm. And like, sure enough, you know, it, someone you love and trust who's really intelligent was like, why don't you try these? I can't remember what they're called now. It's a series of letters and numbers <laughs> supplements. And, um, you know, they're meant to really help with anxiety and stress. You're like, okay. So that's like enough 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, I probably took them for five days. I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. What the fuck? What am I doing? <laughs> Right. Grown up. But, um, you and it, 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 similarly, but... yeah, but like, I mean, you know, now they're, they're going to have to live in my cupboard forever, but <laughs> it's, um, and I'm also guilty, I think, of, I think, la- like finding it laughable, but actually, it's really dangerous. I mean, mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow, that's an obvious mm-hmm. example, and all who've sailed in her, you know, machine. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, 
I feel so much conflict. I felt conflict recently. She was being openly slated because she'd announced she eats less than the recommended amount for a young toddler. Mm -hmm. And then there were other people saying, no, you know, we shouldn't go too hard. This is someone who isn't very well. Mm. And you think, yep, that's also true. Those truths are existing at the same time. Right. But ultimately she wields an incredible amount of power. Yeah. And you can make, it's very easy to make comedy out of somebody like who gets themselves injected with platelets and gets their own face stung by bees. Yeah. But, <laughs> but people at their most vulnerable are giving, giving their money to that, giving their energy, their resources, their worry, their stress, their body, yeah. their money to those products, to vagina candles and to, bees in the face that's right what the fuck i know i know it's it's horrifying (laughs) and i mean that's the thing like she is someone who i i see her too as both of those things you know someone who is unwell and struggling under this system like we all are and you know the american healthcare system which doesn't give a lot to people with chronic conditions and makes them vulnerable to these sorts of outlandish promises and then she's also someone who is like promoting it and capitalizing on it and profiting from it and you know spreading it to millions of people that that is the damage that she's causing and a legacy right it's like i i yeah we have to hold those two things you know i I have compassion for her and i have so much resentment towards her honestly for for spreading these messages i to and fro between the two and i'm currently deep in resentment mm-hmm. um <laughs> I, yeah I, yeah i mean and, and let's get into the supplement industry because i learned loads mm. from the book about that like i knew I, I felt pretty aware that like you know it most of them are pretty pointless i felt really aware that most vitamins you you most of the things that lots of people supplement your body can't really consume that way anyway mm-hmm. as far as i'm aware so i've managed to I, every now and again i'll fall for it again this is what blows my mind if enough of a par- parents tell me that i should be giving my son vitamin d tablets i buy some mm-hmm. he eats them i leave it again for another two years but if i'm cajoled socially into it then I think, oh, what's the harm? And I did, but I know that most of it is crap. What I, or all of it, <laughs> it's not most, it's quite clear, it's all of it. What's bizarre is I had no idea that unlike medicine, wellness supplements are, are 100% unregulated. Yeah. <laughs> and the people, I mean, we all know that you get like pretend doctors on the internet, but actually kind of virtually none of the people calling themselves a holistic psychiatrist, a, oh, a diet guidance, whatever. There mm-hmm. are a million different job titles. You can just give yourself a job title. Yep, totally. In wellness. Totally. No one's checking anyone doing anything online and you can sell anyone anything. Pretty if you much. you call it just a supplement and not a medicine. Right. That is wild. It's unbelievable. Yeah. No, I, I, I knew also that the supplement industry was... V- you know, largely unregulated when I started researching this book, but I I didn't know just how deep it goes. And, you know, the fact that like the belief that herbal and dietary supplements are natural and therefore safer is like completely untrue. And yet is, you know, kind of the traffic, like, like 
these wellness practitioners are trafficking in that belief and making people feel, you know, and sort of whipping up fear about the pharmaceutical industry and making people feel yeah. like taking medications, taking pharmaceuticals is bad and that they need to get off their meds, oh. you know, and it's like, it's like, get off your meds with this lifestyle plan and, you know, lifestyle change and using food as medicine. And so there's all this restriction and dieting that's going on there. But then what they don't really tell you up front, I think, is that also you're still taking pills and oftentimes like boatloads more pills than you would have been taking if you had taken the pharmaceutical but it's yeah. but they're unlike pharmaceuticals they're not tested for safety or efficacy before going to market and so you don't actually really know what's in them sometimes they can include actual pharmaceutical drugs but like in unregulated amounts that are not dosed for your body that are undeclared on the label you know like at the at worst i mean at best they're you know just ineffective and like give you expensive pee what what everybody always says right you just pee them out but at worst they can be really harmful and sometimes even deadly so, you know, people yeah. end up in the in the hospital, in the ER with acute liver injury from supplements like, you know, 23,000 people a year end up in the ER with Whoa. this in the U.S. And Whoa. and, you know, of that of that number, like I think it's something like nine percent go on to be hospitalized. You know, like it's it's serious stuff. These things it's can this actually bizarre, like this word natural that means nothing. Right. Like, there's no definition of that. And as if we've forgotten that all medicine comes from something natural originally like Mm -hmm. you know penicillin we've just found they found a new antibiotic in mud like it's yeah it is it all means nothing like it all means nothing and everything it means fuck all right it doesn't tell you anything um it could still be made in a factory it could still be like have 100 plus processes to make it it doesn't mean anything Mm -hmm. but it seems to salve us and and i think the on the one hand, I found myself thinking, is there any harm to it? If it, Even if it has a placebo effect, who cares? But 23,000 hospital admissions a year right. in the US is like, yeah, there is harm to it. Yeah, yep. there is. But also there are so many psychological side effects to the tracking and the controlling and the the, the constant kind of having it in your mind. But then there's then there's also this, oh, it's just how you perceive yourself as some kind of perpetual say it comes back to the diet thing of being like you're never going to be fixed you're in this constant cycle of failure improvement failure improvement that's right and it's an illusion yeah like it's just a way of selling us stuff right it's so simple but what's sad i think is that like you said with chronic illnesses in your um experience you know when you're in a situation where doctors say I I just don't know what it is. And they have to say that because they don't. You know, you you want to feel like you're doing something about what you're experiencing and that draws you to these people, right? Because they promise you that they're, and they've got millions of followers, some of them, and they'll promise you that they'll be able to fix your your issues. And I think similarly, like people in heavy bodies, this for loads of perfectly good reasons might not want to go and see a medical doctor because they're so sick of the doctor assuming everything that's wrong with them probably can be cured by losing weight that they go, well, it's easier to talk to somebody online. Yeah, yeah, totally. And for, yeah, for people in larger bodies who are, you know, have chronic illnesses, like they don't just get the dismissal of, well, we don't really know what's wrong with you or maybe it's just stress. They get that plus, you know, 
have you tried losing weight? You know, this diet would work, you know, and, and turning it into all about their weight. And so, yeah, it's totally understandable that people would be attracted to these alternatives. And, and it's true that, you know, alternative sources like integrative and functional medicine providers and acupuncturists, naturopaths, chiropractors, et cetera, often do have more time for people and often do yeah. give more empathy and have this, this sort of veneer and you know in some cases it's genuine care for people that they're that they're working with and they want to get to the bottom of things and they convey that to the patient and patients often feel like okay i'm i'm you know in the right hands i'm they're going to figure it out i trust them i'm you know and that in and of itself that feeling of like okay someone's got my back someone's figuring it out in and of itself has a positive effect on people's outcomes you know it's like it's a placebo effect in and of itself it's called the care effect and right you know that that is very real right it's important to have to feel like you're being cared for and that i think is something that's missing in a lot of the conventional healthcare system where you know doctors don't really have as much time for patients and they don't necessarily build that sort of empathy and rapport and they can say well you know i don't really know what's wrong with you and this is what the science says and it's kind of like feels cold and clinical and not so warm and inviting and so i think that's where people get drawn into these alternative spaces but then unfortunately what what they're offering like the actual solutions that are you know supposed solutions they're offering are often ineffective or you know really not evidence-based at all or if they are evidence-based there's maybe just a a grain of truth to what they're saying a grain of evidence to support it but then it's blown out into this like I just keep thinking of this metaphor of like it's a grain that's popped out into like a popcorn of, of you know, sort of like this cloud of untruths. But there's this little yeah. germ of truth inside, you know, like. Yeah. And so I think what we need in, in the healthcare system is for providers to really take seriously the importance of the care effect and of empathy yeah. and like f- making people feel like they're going to get to the bottom of things and not just making people yeah. feel like whatever well, it takes however we don't long know. it takes yeah exactly It'd be honest about the resources I mean we yeah. have the NHS here which is extraordinary but it means it's in it's in turmoil at the moment yeah. I mean a lot of our public services are here but um, that care effect is huge I, I, I had a like a I had a problem about two years mm. after I had my son and um, I basically had to have an emergency operation mm. and um, the scar from that right so years later it still wasn't right and I it took me two years it took me at the time I think a year to get uh, an appointment wow. a, a gynae appointment and I saw someone who was like sweating with how rushed she was mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't great and she basically said look this is just a scar I don't know what's wrong with you like <sighs> if there's a problem it's psychological and you should um, talk to your GP about a therapy referral I was like what? like and then because also the problem would flare at certain times of the month mm-hmm. and not other times of the month so I was like well it's fine now but I wasn't going to change the appointment because I've waited a year sure. and they were like no I'm sorry but there's just nothing physically wrong with you so <sighs> I left it you know you do if you're if you're treated like that you, you just leave mm-hmm. it I remember leaving feeling pretty like like wounded ironically Mm -hmm. but like I was like okay whatever well maybe this is like the NHS is so busy who gives a shit maybe this is cosmetic etc who cares I waited years I had a normal doctor's appointment for something else and they were like no I will refer you for this and they did and this time this time I waited 18 months to see a gynecologist but this time he he it got someone different obviously Mm -hmm. um it was years on but this time he didn't do anything he said I can't deal with this. I'm going to, I'm going to refer you. You shouldn't be having to live with this. Mm-hmm. Whoever you spoke to last time was absolutely wrong to talk to you like this. There is definitely something you shouldn't have to put up with here. It's not in my 
area of expertise, although I do find this kind of thing fascinating. I need to refer you. But basically, he was like, my fear is they're going to, mm. he was honest. He wasn't, he didn't fill me with hope, he, but he didn't like be like, this is going to get today, mm-hmm. tomorrow, da, da, da. He was basically like, it's, you're likely to wait another year for the next appointment. Mm. But the fact that he said, you shouldn't have to live with this. You shouldn't have been spoken to like that before. We will get to the bottom of this. I left in tears of joy. <laughs> and in even knowing it's like years away from being fixed, the fact that somebody told me it was, somebody heard me, believed me and told me that they would get the ball rolling yeah. was enough. Yeah. It's so, <laughs> it's it doesn't mad. take much. And he's, I mean, he's done absolutely <laughs> very little he's he could have just been a charming man mm-hmm. he might not have even written a referral letter <laughs> but that was it right. job done you know game right changer. it takes so little for them to to give people a sense of at least validation if nothing else right like and and yeah that feeling that like it's all in your head or that you know you're like wasting somebody's time is so palpable and it's so such an icky feeling and makes you feel like i mean i know people for sure like like you who've you know, had that kind of dismissal happen to them and then just been like, well, it's just my thing to deal with. It's just in my head. I'm not going to worry about it. And then, you know, years go by and they're living with something that is that they shouldn't have to live with. Like this doctor said, like, thank God he saw that, you know, because so few, you know, unfortunately, too few do. But it's interesting, too, because some of the people I talked to for the book, you know, and I have had this experience in some ways as well, where, you know, you get to a, an alternative provider who gives you that care effect, who give, you makes you feel like we're going to get to the bottom of this, we're going to figure it out. Yeah. But when you exhaust their options or their sort of like, I think oftentimes, you know, all providers probably have this where they have like their area of expertise, their set of interventions that they're trained to use, their set yeah. of tests that they know to give and you know, once you've kind of gone through that, it's like, well, I don't really know what's wrong with you. And people who've had that experience after having like such positive empathetic experiences with a alternative provider, and then they get to the point where the alternative provider is like, well, you tried this gluten-free diet and it didn't work. Did you really do it though? Did you re- did you mm. secretly have some gluten? Did you, were you drinking beer? You know, like then it's almost worse because you're like, yeah. you're made to feel you personally responsible, right? They're grilling yeah. you about your adherence to the diet. And I think there's often in these, you know, again, not to like paint all alternative providers like this, because there are some good ones out there too. But I think in alternative medicine spaces, just like in conventional medicine spaces too, there's a sense of personal responsibility and like that the patient, you know, didn't do something right if they're still having symptoms. But I think it's even more so in alternative and, you know, integrative and functional spaces because it's like, well, this is lifestyle and therefore like it's really on you to do the things. And if you're not doing the things, like there's this morality attached to it too, you know, that like if you're not doing the diet properly, then you're not deserving of healing or something like that. I think that's the subtext yeah. sometimes, even if people wouldn't and like consciously this, so, that. I mean, there's amazing stuff in the book about how ableist that is, mm-hmm. how toxic this idea that any diet can cure disease or even, you know, end disability right. or mental health issues. Like it is absolutely, well, there's just no evidence for any of that. And no. I feel like my fear is the stuff where we don't know really don't know how to deal with it across the board spectrum is where they've really leapt in Mm -hmm. and filled those holes. Polycystic ovaries, I feel like that comes up so often. I've got women in my life with that who have tried every hocus pocus thing. I've got people in my life whose 
I parents take them to alternative healers for that who bring yeah. them away with yet again another weight loss diet. Like, and these aren't like, oh God, it infuriates me, but I don't, oh, I, I, I don't have the language to deal with those things face to face. I'm just going to buy them all a copy of your book. <laughs> right. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm interjecting just briefly here to share with you some of your own utterly brilliant responses to the questions that I have put on Instagram and Twitter. If you're not following already, get the fuck on with it. We're at the Hoovering Pod on both. This time, let's talk about when I asked you to tell me some of the things you've eaten in the bath. You, my listeners, are brilliant. Catherine Smith's granny, for a start, only ate oranges in the bath, nowhere else. What a funny granny! Um, there's a sort of logic to it, sacrificing the entire rest of the sticky, sticky body to the cleanliness of the hand. Really fun one there, actually, Catherine. Annie on Instagram brought me great joy, telling me she had a Chinese takeaway in the bath once. And she didn't fuck about either. She she, she had the whole takeaway. Um, the list is chow mein, ribs, the full Monty. Take a minute to picture that, if you will, lads. Ribs. Yeah. I couldn't love it more. Yes, Annie. Fucking yes, mate. And she explains that the plastic containers float, it turns out. What an incredible thing to have learned. Last, but I'm going to say best, here is a glorious little voice note from Ellie Wood. I ate a whole birthday cake in the bath um, and I don't regret it. It was my birthday, but I'd still do it again. Thank you so much, all of you who've contributed, because you are so awesome. If you have any thoughts or feelings or responses to the questions that come up on social media, any of them, if you want to send any stories about eating at all, get in touch with us, thehooveringpod at gmail.com for emails. WhatsApp us. Voice notes are my favourite to 07462855271. Let's get back into this episode. <laughs> Okay, so the last thing from the book, because I just feel like it's such a standout set of facts. Thank you. Um, because so many of us are 
are so we are sold day in day out by our government our media our our doctors mm-hmm. our parents everyone that you are what you eat and that you know how you treat your body in terms of exercise and diet is so pivotal we're told now that's how to ward off dementia that's how to avoid depression that's mm-hmm. how to cure even cancer you know we there are proponents of those theories in our faces 24/7 now yeah. and uh, uh, the the numbers from your book that really made me go oh god if only more people knew that only 10% of population health outcomes are attributable to diet and exercise 10% yeah. 70% are to do with access to healthcare and physical environment and 20% about like smoking and drinking and drug use that is huge yeah as a statistic yeah people think it's the reverse right i think you ask yeah. people in in this culture right now like what percentage of population health outcomes are attributable to diet and exercise. And they might be like 90, a hundred, you know, like, mm. and it's, it's staggering to see the difference and how much more of an impact things like, you know, access to healthcare or poverty, lack of job security, lack of food security, housing security, et cetera, or experiences of discrimination. All of those things fall under the umbrella of social determinants of health that are like that 70%. Um, yeah of the pie and you know and it's like another 20 percent or other health behaviors that you know when you think about like diet and exercise versus like you know alcohol or safe sex practices i think people are still kind of like well diet probably has more of an impact you know and in fact oh. it's the reverse there too even among the the modifiable health behaviors that you could undertake you know the the things that you can do that are outside yeah. of the social determinants like it really has a lot more to do with you know those other things than with diet and exercise and it's diet and exercise combined that's 10 percent. you know so yeah yeah i think people just i think you know that that's not to say at an individual level that like what's going on for someone is necessarily attributable to all that because if you don't drink and don't smoke and you're you know, well off and not being discriminated against or something, then you might have a a condition that's, you know, going on for other reasons. Genetics, like, you know, most likely there's, that's a huge piece of it too. And I think people, it's a hard, it is a hard statistic to, to hear because you want to be able to take personal control for Mm -hmm. your own wellness. I mean, that's kind of explains the rise of the industry. Like we want to go, oh, thank God. turns out all along if I, I just... You know, if I just had less bread, <laughs> right? I'd be my my whole life would be better. And it, you know, it's horrible to realize I'm, you don't have that level of control over your whole life. Actually, yeah, it's really horrible to realize that, especially in this culture that's told us we have the that control and that's told us yeah. that it's our personal responsibility and sort of moral responsibility actually to to control our health outcomes like that. And if we are sick or disabled or aging or whatever, that it's our fault that like we've done something wrong you know, in a society like that, that's, that's instilled those values. I think when we realize we don't have control, I think there's definitely a reckoning that has to happen in a moment of like, yeah. Oh my God, what now? Like you feel like you're just free falling, you know? Yeah. And I think that like, you know, having gone through that myself and having seen a lot of people go through that, I think, you know, there is that moment of free fall, but then there's kind of a liberation on the other side of realizing you don't yeah. have the control you've been told you do because you're liberated That's from right. the drudgery of having to say, like, be minutely aware of every 
dietary choice you're making or, you know, obsessing about what's going into your food, obsessing about your exercise routine, obsessing about supplements. Like right. it's all full stop, I yeah. think. Yeah. Like letting that shit go apart from, I resent the fact that I have to care about that as part of my job a yeah. bit. Like letting that shit go generally, like <laughs> just not thinking about it ev- every minute of every day is an absolute delight. It's, it's huge. And some people think, oh, you know, I, but I love, you know, I'm really into makeup or I'm really into clothes. I'm like, mm-hmm. good for you. I'm so glad I'm not. because it would mean staring at myself all fucking day yeah and even for people who are really into that stuff too i think it's like you know teasing apart like what of it is this fun creative aesthetic you know experimentation and what of it is coming from like societal pressure to look a certain way and it's hard to it's hard to untangle those threads but i think like as much as you can sort of doing that exploration can be helpful for just giving you a little more space and freedom to play and to have fun with those things without having it you know, spiral into like this all-encompassing sort of mandate to shrink your body or, you know, do the wellness things yeah. that'll supposedly, right, or, and then like yeah. inject a bunch of shit into your face as a result because you feel like you have to. I have a moral obligation because this is the Hoovering podcast to make sure we <laughs> eat something before we finish talking. Oh, yes. I, um, for my wellness, I have got from my partner's recent trip to New York – a Reese's peanut butter cup mallow top with marshmallow oh. flavored creme on top cream. Oh, that's brilliant. Individually. I have a Reese's peanut butter cup yes. um, shaped like a nutcracker oh, from yeah. Christmas. Oh, yes. Okay, let's go. It's brilliant. Have you got a drink so for with excited. you? I'm just having a cup of, I'm having a cup of I... Earl Grey tea and the Englishest thing I could possibly have. Oh, having. brilliant. Oh, it's nice. Mm. Yeah, how's the mallow top? I'm yeah, jealous. Really about. good, actually. Much nicer than I expected it to be. I was worried it would be an extra mm. layer of sweetness, but it's almost like sour yogurt flavor. You know when you get like yogurt coated stuff? Oh, yeah. It tastes like that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm, it's actually delicious. That's a good counterpoint. Yeah, it is. Yeah. How about yours? This is really good. I feel like all the different shapes of Reese's peanut butter cups have different ratios of chocolate to peanut butter so there's like a slightly different flavor to that and it's i really like this one and i like the texture too because the chocolate is like a nice melty melty chocolate Mm. it's not like hard or some of them are crunchy you know this this one's like very soft this Mm. is delish this is my favorite favorite candy i think Mm, i love peanut butter i mean i'm i'm having a real peanut butter moment Mm. like i want it all the time Mm. do you have that like in stores in the UK, is it yeah. common or is it sort of still a... Because I remember I went to France and I sp- studied abroad mm. there from 2001 to 2002. And like no one had heard of peanut butter and we had to like bring some in from Everyone the US. about French cuisine, but they, they're missing mm-hmm. out on something huge there, the losers. Yeah, it's yep. not a big thing there. <laughs> no, they, they don't. They, <laughs> um, it's huge here. Now you okay. can get like... You know, the choice is overwhelming when it comes to peanut butter brands. Um, and mm. But what we don't have that you have, um, which was my only um, specific request when my missus went to New York a few weeks ago, was um, uh, peanut butter M&M's. Oh, yeah. We don't have those, those are here so yet, good. Unless you go to like a specialist American candy store and pay a million pounds for a oh, tiny interesting. bucket. So she's bought back like... <laughs> Really big sack, really big sacks of all the different. And at the moment, Amazing. you've got M M&M, and M peanut butter flavored M M&M and M eggs because we are talking oh, about yes. the time, and that has been a real game changer. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to pick some up. My favorite oh. Easter candy is actually a British one. It's uh, Cadbury cream eggs, Boy. which are very polarizing. People, some people hate them and like are horrified that I like what's them. What's wrong my with husband, that? Namely. I really? I don't know what's contentious He's also like, them. oh yeah, I've talked to other people too who are just like, oh, it's like so gross. Is it too sickly? Is I don't it know. because it's all too mushy? I guess because it's there's so much sweet yeah, like sweet with goo sweet. in the middle, and it's and it's like the texture of it too. It's so gooey, but I also feel like the sort of I mean, this is not the case with my husband, yeah. but maybe some of the other people who are criticizing these candies. I wonder if some of it is the sort of like. Um, you know, anti-sugar vibe that's in the culture right now. And it's like cool to be like, well, I don't like candy that's too sweet. You know, I like desserts that are like a little savory, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, my favorite that is, I don't know if you have it there, but here we have a company called Tony's Chocolonely. Have you heard of them? Oh, no, yeah, I don't. Have... Oh, wait, is it the one where you whack the, the thing and it opens? Like, oh, the, no, that's a Terry's orange. chocolate orange, which is also That's really the one fun. I'm thinking of. But they're like Christmas. I love those. They're, I think they're only yeah. available at Christmas. Tony's Chocolonia all year round, and I think they're like, mm. I don't know. Basically, they've brought out a little, the best flavor is like this bright orange bar, and it's like caramel, salted caramel. It's caramel and sea salt. There's like chunks in there. Mm. There's like crunchy chunks in there. And they oh, brought yeah. out these little eggs. And they're solid. They're like solid mouthful of that chocolate. Mm. Oh, my God, that's so good. That's With like the little crunchy yes. caramel bits. And if you, oh, that sounds good. If you have the, um, if you're in the market for, I mean, you might need to just chomp the first one just to have it. But if you're <laughs> capable of letting one melt in your mouth, it does mm. this thing where about halfway through, like the two halves slide away from each other. That's exciting. Oh, and if you, that sounds yeah, fun. If you can suck it right down to the crumbly bits, you get this really sweet end point. And then this you can recommend to those friends who like their candy a bit savoury. The very, mm-hmm. very last note you get is salt. And that is like, mm. it feels like a very clever chef has designed these items. Yeah, that sounds yeah. really good. It sounds like a, like a fancy restaurant, a mousse-bouche dessert or something. Quick fire questions. Tell me about a food that you won as a prize or you were given as a gift. Oh, interesting. Given as a gift, I, one of those whack and orange balls have been given. Oh, those are really Terry's delicious. Terry chocolate orange. Terry chocolate orange. I'm yeah. going to call them whack and orange balls. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Like, oh, we were given a delicious fruit cake that yep. I like thought I hated fruit cake and you know, cause they're usually just kind of dry and whatever, Ooh. but, um, this friend like sourced them from this place in Milan that oh, he's like very great. obsessed with fruitcake and like found oh. the best fruitcake in the world. And it was oh, so good. And it stayed good for like a month. It was amazing. Like, I don't know how amazing. they did it. It did not get dry. It was like moist and delicious the whole time. Oh. And also I just used the word moist, which I know some people hate. Polarizing, polarizing word. Don't at us. Don't at um, us, please. Ever grown anything from scratch and then eaten it? Talk me through it. Oh, yeah. Um, tomatoes. I grew oh, well on a roof in an old place in Brooklyn that was just like like a silver painted roof that was okay. the sun beat down on all day oh. long. So it was like perfect for tomato growing. Amazing. And I wanted them to be so delicious. And it was like, I don't know if it just wasn't quite ripe yet or like, yeah. you know, it was, I came in with such high expectations and it was like, oh. that's a decent tomato, but I've had better. So yeah, yeah it was a little anticlimactic. 
Fair play. If there was no other option, would you eat a person? <laughs> oh, man. I really enjoy asking um, grown-ups that. Wow, that's a great question. I mean, who is the person? Mm, I don't know. If I've it's someone it I loved, probably not. But no, if it, if it was someone, someone I loved. Someone that I didn't know or didn't like, um, maybe if I got desperate yeah. enough. You never know what's going to, you know, yeah. like, driven to desperation. Exactly. I might. I'm, I just might. I hear ya. Now it's time for the A crowded boat gets flown over by an empty plane and something in the Matrix glitches, meaning everything shiny melts and becomes a cucumber. At first it's quite funny, especially watching all the posh cars and jewellery become salad, but then we realise it's really bad, like a film called Apocalypse Actually, because everyone with bald heads, everyone in any sort of newish or clean car, or indeed building, bang, cuked. It's hell. Luckily, it's all agreed to have never happened, but only if you, and really it does have to be you, agree to sit up a treehouse and um, click your fingers 90 billion times whilst saying the word click in as many languages as possible continuously throughout so that no one can sneak any snacks into your face because your mouth is busy with all the clicking. It sounds impossible, but you do it. You're a hero. You go down in history as a person who saved us from a really terrible, shiny... Salady apocalypse. Your reward is the adulation of all people for all time, but your reward in the moment, bearing in mind you are so hungry from all that clicking and saying clicking, and it's been, that took hours and hours and hours, is your feast of your dreams. This is the opposite of a last meal. You couldn't be happier. You couldn't be hungrier. This is a celebratory time, but you are hungry. You're allowed a shower or a break or whatever, give your hands a rest. <laughs> but, um, what in your ideal fantasy situation, if you were the happiest and hungriest you could imagine being, and this is an absolute fantasy, would you have to eat and drink? Oh my God, what a good question. Well, I'd be so thirsty, I'm sure, from mm. saying click so many times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one of I the cruelest scenarios I've, I've uh, ever come up with. And my so hands like, are hurting just thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure you'd need like quite a lot of sort of therapy oh, after yeah, having yeah. click that long, but um, we'll skip that over like... We'll just, you're better. You're just better. Just magically better. Okay. Yeah, you're just magically just... better, like a wellness cure. <laughs> <laughs> and eat anything I want. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's funny because, like, in this moment of my life with a mm. one-year-old and sort of, like, just the busiest I've maybe ever been, I'm, like, yeah. not really going out a lot or thinking about food as much. Like, I'm just yeah. kind of, like, getting it done, you know? And so, yes. like, we're you. eating a lot of, like convenience stuff or just kind of yeah, like simple basic course. foods but we did have um a friend with like a food truck business that uh does like like different kinds of foods from restaurants all around the country mm. and um it's like now moving into a different business model that does not involve food trucks but for a while it was like they would like drive a food truck up to your house and like prepare food of like you know any of these restaurants that you could want in front of it it was pretty great um and one of the best meals we had from there was this middle eastern place um Mm. that was it's like just the best crunchiest most amazing falafel Mm. and like delicious like shawarmas and 
hummus and these like yogurt dips and they they just oh. give you like a bunch of bonus little dips and like I don't know just yes, random please. stuff that's like I just love meals that have many different little elements yeah. like dip this and it's got this flavor and combine those two things and you get this other flavor and here's you know these all these like little salads to put on it and come yes, you know please. different combinations of like pita and rice and meat and you know yeah, dairy and all of it it's it was so delicious and i feel like that's nice. like very there's sometimes i want different like like a heartier like you know earthier kind of meal but that stuff is all very like has very like bright flavors and like mm. a lot of lemon and citrus and like the tanginess of the yogurt and all that stuff and i feel like that would just oh, be so good i agree i think middle eastern food like that has got kind of a bit of everything like there is mm-hmm. still something big and earthy and satisfying especially the, like those big grilled umami meats like they're so totally juicy oh. and, like it's gorgeous but then they also do these those salads are like the freshest most zingiest yeah crunchy crispy poppy pomegranate toasty bits of bread on there like oh, oh, so good so good and it's like herbs, such a great full of herbs yeah herbs you didn't know existed yeah totally amazing. and such a great counterpoint to to the like earthiness of the meat like oh yeah. it's just it's just the best mm. and what i feel like that choice. would also be so refreshing after like a long ordeal yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. i'm f- i'm sorry for having given you such an ordeal oh it was rough <gasps> we made it through (laughs) Um, thank you so much for coming back on this podcast you're the first guest I've ever had twice oh what an honor so um, thank you I am the honored one your book is amazing I will be um, be shouting about it far and wide Hoovering Podcast God, isn't she magical? She's so magical. Get your hands on the wellness trap immediately. It's literally been out about a week. Kindle it up. Go, 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 go. It's self-care to read it. I promise you. Her website is christyharrison.com for all her other podcasts, her other books. I mean, she's changed my life. For my stuff, um, don't forget to listen to Sturdy Girls Club on BBC Sounds. And hopefully we'll see you at Hoovering Live in Camden in August. Or um, why, hopefully maybe I'll see some of my stand-up work in progresses over the course of the summer too. Yes, please. Follow us on social media at The Hoovering Pod. I'm on at Jessica Foster Q. Send us voice notes, pictures, WhatsApps to 07462855271. Email us, thehooveringpod at gmail.com. I'll be storing all your beautiful offerings up and discussing them in future episodes. Keep an eye on our social media for any specific questions and topics that we'll be asking you to contact us about. Links to everything interesting mentioned today are, as ever, in the podcast notes. Hoovering is presented and created by me, Jessica Fosterkew. The music is by Jake Yap, and it was produced by Laura Grimshaw. Until in two weeks, happy hoovering. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.